Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode with the Mindful Matters Podcast. I'm Elaine Clark, and this podcast brings together practitioners, thought leaders, teachers, and inspiring individuals on how to best support your mental health and well being. Joining me today is David Emerson. Dave is the founder of Trauma Center Trauma Sensitive Yoga, or TCTSY, and he is the co-founder of the, the Center for Trauma and Embodiment at the Justice Resource Institute in Massachusetts. He has trained internationally in the TCTSY model since 2006 and has developed, conducted, and supervised TCTSY groups for rape crisis centers, domestic violence programs, residential programs for youth, active duty military personnel, survivors of terrorism, and veterans administration centers and clinics. In addition to co-authoring several articles on the subject of yoga and trauma, Dave is the co-author of Overcoming Trauma Through Yoga, as well as the author of Trauma Sensitive Yoga in Therapy. Much of what we're talking about today is the trauma-sensitive yoga approach, which is a term coined by Dave, and we really unpack what it means to bring the body into treatment after trauma. So thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Dave, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Hi, Elaine. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me. So thanks so much for being here with us. I'm I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And before we dive into some of the research and the contributions you've made, I would love to hear a bit about you and what propelled you into this career path. Huh. Yeah. Um, so personally, let's see. I I started after graduating from college, had some years in social service work and it involved um, programs for youth in general. So young people that were, this is, you know, 30 years ago, young people getting into trouble in their communities, um, kind of identified as at risk of language like that. And programs attempting to meet uh, those, those young people where they were and offer some supportive services. I ended up working in particular with um, a program called Project Adventure, which is similar to Outward Bound, for those who might have heard of that. It's very physical in nature. And kind of the, the idea is to leave the, your typical environment and go into the woods and spend some time there and climb trees and row boats and, you know, break up fights and then climb some more trees and just be, uh, be in a different environment than what you're you're typically involved in. And through that experience, uh, maybe maybe experiencing yourself a little bit differently. I, I will say at the time, I never heard the word trauma. You know, it was language like at-risk youth, things like that. Um, definitely looking back, working with young people with developmental complex trauma for sure. But the programs were really, they were very successful and uh, very enjoyable, I would say, for both um, the the people offering the service and for the, you know, the, for the kids, for the young people. So that embodied approach was really intriguing for me. And then at, at that point I decided that maybe, maybe the next step would be to, to become a clinical therapist. So I went to school for that for a little bit. And it actually turned out that talking about trauma wasn't very comfortable for me. It wasn't a, a realm that was comfortable. So uh, I made that assessment, you know, and just turned, to my own practices, which were Tai Chi and then yoga and uh, my own kind of enjoyment there. 
eventually had a chance to bring it all full circle. And for me, it was, I, I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where very close to a place called the Trauma Center and also to a, uh, a facility that was run by a person named Judith Herman, who were very, you know, these are both very impactful organizations on the history of trauma theory in the West. And their contributions were a kind of revolutionary in terms of thinking about what trauma is and particular ideas about maybe the body, bringing the body into the, the treatment realm. So um, I, I, I was drawn to that, the idea that the body could be engaged in healing. And for me as a yoga teacher at that point, that's really how I identified. Um, I felt like yoga could be a particularly useful embodiment approach. And uh, that's really how I ended up how I ended up here, I guess. I'm here with some background in social service, social work. That's very, very important for me, informative, but as a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And before we, you know, dig a little bit deeper into the trauma-sensitive yoga approach, I think it's really helpful as a starting point to give some context to what we mean when we say trauma. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said that you never, when you know, when you were uh, younger that you didn't really understand what that term meant. From your perspective, what is trauma? Yeah, such a great question. And, and one probably for all of us to just keep wrangling with, you know. So in the Western medical framework, there, there are a couple of different iterations. And the most prominent one is called post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And when I actually started with yoga, um, I started a nonprofit to teach yoga to people with PTSD. So I even, I came at it from that particular framework. But through my association with the trauma center, I got to learn about another framework called complex trauma, sometimes also now referred to as developmental trauma, which, um, you know, has been articulated by a number of people over the past 40 years, Judith Herman, uh, for example. But it's a an understanding of trauma much more holistically. So rather than just rather than just a set of symptoms, which is basically PTSD, thinking about or understanding a person in context. So there's a relational dynamic to complex trauma, things that occur in relationships. It's always about power. Uh, and there's a longitudinal quality too, these things that are happening over time, which can encompass both personal experiences in abusive or neglectful environments, but also societal and structural experiences like racism and uh, patriarchy and white supremacy. These dynamics are trauma dynamics. So um, it's really been, an, for me, it's been an evolution in learning. <clears throat> and the, the shift is understanding people in a context of survival where power dynamics and relationship the way the power moves and, and the ways that we're sort of positioned to survive in scenarios where, we're, where power is sort of systematically um, drained from us, that survival uh, in those kind of contexts, that's complex trauma. And, and it's, so there's both like a context for the understanding and researchers have developed um, some very strong frameworks in terms of impairments or impacts of that kind of survival. So we, we, have a, we have a fair amount of information now about kind of the toll it takes for a human being to survive chronic um, neglect, chronic abuses of power. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we have a lot of listeners in our community that are practitioners and yoga teachers. And I imagine that a lot of people come to this work after they realize they've been on a path of healing from their traumas, or maybe they've witnessed or supported a loved one through, uh, through their traumas. Tell us, how does one bring the body into treatment after trauma? Right. I mean, I think that's another great and very big question. Um, so there are probably many ways. I, I think just thinking about the context for us, uh, which is a very Western um, framework that we developed this model within, very medicalized, which has benefits like uh, like a peer review process for our uh, like the research, for example, but also some real drawbacks in terms of its hierarchical approach. Um, very patriarchal and hierarchical approach to uh, healing, you know, a pathological approach. And trauma, as far as we understand, is not a pathology. It's it's about survival. It's about adaptation and survival. And that takes a toll. We're, we're capable of surviving um, really unbelievable things, but uh, there's, a, there's a toll, a price. And it turns out, I think, if you look at the research, that a lot of the toll it occurs within the entire organism, our whole organism, our body, our physiology, our neurology, our, our sense of self, you know, our sense of connection to the world and to other people. So very holistic uh, set of impacts when it comes to survival. So it really is almost just logical to, if that's the understanding of trauma, to rally the entire organism in the healing process. And whereas traditionally speaking, um, the treatment is tends to be a very top-down, a very frontal lobe, uh, cognitive behavioral approach to healing something that's really much more holistic. So I think, you know, one place to start is just that understanding that, okay, we, it appears really useful to engage the entire organism. So then, then, it, then the questions are, okay, how do we do that in a trauma-informed way? Yeah. Well, I would love if we could tie this into the published study that you contributed to with Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, maybe even touching on some of the key research findings and what was surprising about some of the data that you uncovered. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our intention from the beginning was to study the, the work so that we weren't getting stuck um, just in our own ideas of what was happening. And so we we're really fortunate, I think, in that way um, to start with research and including a couple of pilot studies. In 2009, we received the first grant given by the National Institute of Health in the United States to study yoga for trauma. And uh, that's the study that you're referring to here published in 2014. So um, by that time, we had we really we began the work in around 2002. So we had seven eight years of pilots and lots of feedback from participants, a lot of experiences ourselves facilitating. We really had our model pretty well developed, and then we could study it. We could get a look at it, and I think um, you know the first encouraging pieces of information were that it really seemed to work for folks with complex trauma. Um, and, and really persistent PTSD symptoms as a result of that long-term complex trauma. And I, I would say it wasn't necessarily surprising to us by, by the time we got to that result because we, we had done some pilots 
and we saw the encouraging results coming. But um, it was really, it was important, I think, for for the the field to see that there's a way, there is a way, and there are others. This isn't the only way to bring the body in, um, but this, there's a, a way to do this that uh, understands and and sort of honors trauma and and the survival context around trauma and provides opportunities to reconnect or to connect with your body in a way that leads to, um, you know, what you could call healing or that process of, uh, rebuilding. And, um, so that was really, really encouraging. And since then we've, we've been able to, the study has been replicated a couple of times and there's new research uh, that just concluded as a matter of fact, that's very, very encouraging. Yeah, well, it's it's fascinating to me, and uh, you know, a key concept of the trauma sensitive yoga approach is interoception. I would love it if you can describe to us what this means for anybody who's not familiar, and maybe even give us an example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks. Every, every time I have an opportunity to talk about interoception, I feel like it's a good it's a good time. So, yep. <laughs> um, it turns out that survival might have a particular impact on our relationship to ourself, which looks like a sort of a disconnection from our embodied experience. So there's this uh, field in neurology called interoceptive theory, which has been built up over the years, the past maybe 25 years or so, outside of the trauma realm, as a matter of fact, just in terms of neurology. And there have been identified these parts of the brain, our brains that sort of transfer visceral information from our bodies. So feelable things, for example, things we can feel and sense. Hunger, uh, for example, is interoception. Most of the studies involve feeling or counting your heartbeat, uh, muscles contracting and extending. Mm-hmm. So there are parts of the brain that relay this information through our entire system, our entire brain, some of it becomes part of our conscious awareness. It turns out most of it doesn't, apparently. But these systems, with for folks who experienced experienced complex or developmental trauma, um, there really appears to be some impact, some dysregulation there, so that we're not getting consistent, uh, predictable, you know, trans translatable signals from our bodies that we can rely on. So that opens a door. Uh, there have been some trauma researchers that, um, through experience with patients or clients in their offices, have seen what looks like to them, right, somebody who's having a, a really disembodied, disconnected experience from their body. People describe, you know, I can't feel parts of my body or um, I feel too much. Sometimes it's I feel overwhelming sensation about my body and I can't locate it anywhere specific. So combining that clinical knowledge with this neurology, some studies have been done and it, it does appear that folks with complex trauma have dysregulated um, interoceptive pathways, brain p- pathways. So that gave us a chance with our yoga model as we developed it over time and, and really worked with participants to wonder if we could use these yoga forms as a way to reconnect, um, sort of exercise our interoceptive capacity. So that's that's what we'll do. And it would look could look like something like like this if you if you want. 
So an invitation, for example, to tilt, if you like, maybe tilting your head to one side. Um, and it, if you're tilting your head to one side, you might feel some sensation in the side of your neck. So if you're interested, you could experiment with tilting your head to one side. And if you're doing that, you may notice or feel some sensation in the side of your neck. And you're welcome to switch sides if you're curious, if you want to try the other side. And it's really just an experiment here with a, a motoric action, in this case, tilting your head, and then potentially noticing what you feel in your body. In this case, we're kind of zeroing in on this particular space, the side of your neck. Uh, but somebody listening, you might discover that you feel something else in your body. So it's really just noticing what you feel. And in, in, the, in this TC, TSY model, you know, uh, using the yoga forms as opportunities to practice sensation awareness, that's a, a real focal point of what we're, what we're doing. Yeah, David, thank you so much for sharing that. I, uh, you know, as a, a teacher trainer myself, I often get a lot of questions about the invitational language or the empowerment based language that is foundational to the trauma sensitive yoga approach. So thank you so much for giving us a little bit of a, an example of that. And one of the pieces of advice that you give to uh, you know, to practitioners or trauma-informed in instructors is to be aware of where we're coming from, our background and influencers as practitioners so that we avoid a hierarchical approach or an imposing of an experience. Can you expand on this for us? Yeah, I, again, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's another, it's a great observation. Um, we all are We've all grown up in context. And uh, one thing for, for me, one, one developmental space for me, and, and it's I'm very much at the beginning of this, is really just understanding my own intersectional self, you know, my identities in the world, how that's impacted my experience with the world, uh, my understanding of power, right? Who gets access to it, who doesn't. Um, and since trauma is all about power dynamics and folks lived experience, then we, the, the, it, it's incumbent on us as providers to do the work of examining who we are. And we're, it's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's not necessarily comfortable work to recognize you know, myself as a, as a white male, cisgender person uh, with a lot of privilege in this society, how I haven't been aware of, of how that shows up in, in the room for most of my life. And so all, you know, having that process, that experience of starting to understand uh, myself in that way and in the systems that I've been interacting with, whether it's academic institutions or even the trauma center itself, you know, um, how I've been able to have access to some of these things and why, why that is, is just structural. It's really unearned in many ways. And then how that translates into this um, process of engaging with trauma and in an honest way. So I think, you know, we think as a group here, as we're continuing our own learning, that it's really critical 
that we're critiquing the ideas that we've been sort of brought up on, our own lived experiences in the world, our positionality, and um, so that when we show up <clears throat> in whatever spaces we're showing up as trauma care providers, we're, we're taking some responsibility for, for that. And it doesn't mean we have to be perfect or um, that we have to be fully aware and, and sort of like complete that process. I think we just have to be engaged in that process in an, in an honest way. And uh, yeah, I think it, and it's something that we can sort of help each other with in a sense, hold each other accountable in a, as a, as a field, right. Of trauma involved people, trauma care people. And it's something that um, we can, you know, that we can sort of point ourselves towards, stay devoted to and stay connected to. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I'd love if we can now talk about the, the Center for Trauma and Embodiment. Uh, you know, as the, as the founder, can you tell us about the TCTSY model and how this is an evidence-based approach to support trauma? Sure. Thanks. Yeah. For the Center for Trauma and Embodiment, um, we started about two years ago, a little bit over two years ago. Um, our original sort of home, the trauma center, has closed and we we went through our own process there of um you know ex experiencing the the power structure as unhealthy and the ways that power moved within the institution even though there's a lot so many so much good work there the place itself and the way the power moved was not healthy and uh, there was a period about three years ago where it really got it, it got exposed i think and and the the pain of that and also the, the truth of that is, is very important for us as a program and our development. Um, unfortunately, it's closed now. The trauma center itself is closed, which is a real loss uh, for, from my perspective for the world. But what we did was start our own center uh, called the Center for Trauma and Embodiment, where we could hold our yoga program. And we all we recognize it as an opportunity to develop new models and be able to partner with folks with new ideas and other embodiment or body first, body focused ideas for trauma healing um, and start to really share and collaborate. And that's, that's what the Center for Trauma and Embodiment is. And there's now a, a weightlifting program there that's, that's pretty well underway and a relatively new theater-based program as well. With TCTSY, just to kind of answer your question, um, it's, it's the most mature program that we have at the center. And the reason we say that is in 2017, we were listed here in the United States as an evidence-based practice um, on the, the registry, the, the national registry in the United States that existed at the time. So there's a requirement, you know, which is essentially a randomized controlled trial uh, of a certain quality. And we, that was what we completed in 2014, published so we got that listing, and um, I mentioned too that you know the the model has been replicated and, and critiqued and studied from other perspectives, um, including a large scale uh, study at the VA here in the United States that just concluded with very positive results as well. So that that's very encouraging for us. And now we're we have some researchers uh, in Puerto Rico who are doing a cultural critique of the model, which is. For, for us, I think the most important piece that 
that, that we can get be critiqued, you know, from sort of outside the Western framework. And how does this model hold up in other cultural settings? What needs to be modified? You know, what works, what doesn't? So, um, yeah, the, there's sort of a standard for being recognized as evidence-based, and we've, we've met that threshold, but that also means that we should then be open to more critique, uh, and that's really the position that we're in now. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited about the work that you, you know, you guys are doing and, and I'm really excited to continue to hear about the, the evidence-based uh, research, uh, you know, that's, that's being developed. So as a way to wrap up today, Dave, I would love if we could talk about your involvement with the Blue Matter Project and also the upcoming trauma-sensitive yoga training that you will be a, a major part of. For sure. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to come up to Toronto the, uh, the past for two years, and then this this would be the third program. And we, we've developed a training program starting in 2006 to introduce folks to the model. You know, we get a couple of days to delve into it, both the theater, theoretical underpinnings and, and then the methodology, talk a little bit about the research and have a chance to practice together. And we'll be able to do all that um, online. Uh, in real time. And it's it's a way for people to get introduced, whether you're a yoga teacher, or maybe a clinical uh, professional in some way, or frankly, just curious about the model. It's it's uh, tends to be broadly open to anyone who's interested. And then um, it also does serve as a, a foundational training for our certification for people who want to continue, but it, it stands alone just as an informational training itself. Yeah. Well, it was extremely valuable for me. I took that training several years ago, and it's it's actually changed the course of my my career in in yoga and as a practitioner. So, thank you so much for you know for all the wisdom and the knowledge that you continue to share with us. Thank you so much for joining us today on on the show. This has been so informative. If people are wanting to learn more about you and your work, where can our listeners find you? TraumaSensitiveYoga.com is probably the most direct way. David, thank you so much for being here with us today. I loved having this conversation with you. Oh, thanks so much, Elaine. The Mindful Matters podcast is written, hosted, and recorded by me, Elaine Clark. Edited by Karen Zorzi. Art by Tani Stoiber. And music by Bellwoods. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share with your friends and family. Website and resources mentioned in the episode can be found in the episode notes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blue Matter Project.